I do want to honour you, Stuart. I want to honour you for all that you've done over the years, for all that you're continuing to do. We'll give them a round of applause in a minute. We don't need a golf clap. We need like a righteous round of applause. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. There's a pressure, isn't there, I guess, maybe to heading up something so big at a time like this. And you and Irene do it so well. You do it with faith. You do it with love. You do it with just a real heart for people. And we're so incredibly grateful for your faith, for your tenacity, for your love for people, for your love of the word, for your love of the spirit. And so let's just thank and honor Stuart, our senior pastor. We really love you. We really love you and Irene. And Stacey, so excited to have you preaching. Stacey's preached two times before, is it? Two times before, it's always been brilliant. Her heart for the community is exemplary. She shows us a more excellent way. We heard about that in our team meeting this morning. She loves people outrageously. She's honest, she's brave, she's full of courage, and she is a mover and shaker in our city. And we are incredibly blessed to have her in our location. She is a gift to us. So let's really thank Stacey as she comes and brings the word this morning. everyone that was really nice welcome there Joe. so I like to be well prepared so I prepared this talk a few weeks ago and the world was a very different place a few weeks ago wasn't it things have been going on so yesterday I got in touch with Joe and I said do you think I should still be saying all the same stuff that I was planned or should I, should I change it all should I plan something else to address what's going on right now but actually something that has not changed is that God is still great. And my talk this morning is a story of the gloriousness of God and the goodness of God and a testimony of what God has been doing in this area over recent years. And nothing has changed in that regard. God is still glorious. So this morning, more than ever, let's lift our eyes to the gloriousness of God and worship him for what he is doing. Because he's doing some great things. So first of all, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself because um, some of you might know me, some of you might not know me. So... My name's Stacey. I'm the community worker here at Alive Highcombe, and I've been in that role for four years now. And prior to that, so when I left school at 18, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, so I thought, I'll have a gap year. And at the end of the gap year, I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, so I had another gap year. And then I actually had a third gap year, and then I went off the rails a little bit, and I ended up working as a door lady, which is a, a, a great profession. There's nothing off the rails about that. So otherwise known as a bouncer. Um, but it's not because I'm aggressive in any way. I just I thought it was a fun job to do. And um, if somebody caused trouble, I would just push them on the floor, sit on them, get my radio out and shout for the boys. So, yeah, don't think of me in any way as an aggressive person because I'm not at all. So the, that's one of the jobs I've had. I've also been a lunchtime supervisor, which is also known as a dinner lady. And I've been an invigilator here at RP. And then Dan and Joe saw something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. And they said, we'd love you to come and be the community work here at Highcombe. And a few weeks ago, we heard from Roger Bretherton, didn't we? And that was such a great talk. And one line that he used that really resonated with me is that often our miseries can become our ministry. And that has been so true with me. So I have suffered in the past from mental health problems. And that's become a passion of mine to reach out to others and to show people that there is hope that God can restore us, that there are tools to be learned from God's word that can help us to live a balanced life for him. And it's still something that I, I have to work at. I'm not saying it's really easy. It's something that we all have to work at, isn't it? Because we all have mental health. And when I first became community worker at Alive Icon, Dan and Joe knew that was a passion of mine. And they even added it 
as a clause in my job description that I could develop a mental health strategy for Alive Highcombe, which was quite broad and very exciting. So um, one of the first things I did was I organised a suicide awareness course and we got a trainer in to come and train some of us up. So some of you here today might have been on that course. There's, there's 10 of us from this location. And that's something that I've always been really passionate about. So this is a story of something of an adventure that God's been leading me on over the past few years. But I want to start off by reading from Isaiah 12. This is verse 4 to verse 6. In that day... You will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. So a few years ago, I became really aware that there was a gap in the provision for crisis care in our area. And I felt that often we as the church are called to stand in these gaps. And I knew that God had, an, had a solution for this problem. I was meeting people in our church family and also out in the community who had found that themselves in crisis. And they had maybe phoned the crisis team and got an answer machine message because there wasn't enough staff to staff that phone. And there was this big gaping gap in provision. And I knew that God had an answer. And I felt that God was calling me to pray. So I took some time out in prayer and fasting and asked God how we could stand in that gap. And as I was saying these prayers, I was also consulting my good friend Google about how other cities stood in that gap and what was going on in other places to address that need. And I came across a model in Leeds where they have crisis cafes so these are cafes that are open at night time, staffed by people who are there to welcome people in crisis and listen to them and be there for them and meet their needs there and then and signpost them to the professional help that they need. And I really believe that God led me to that, that idea. And around this time, GLX was happening, which is the ground level exchange headed up by Joy Blundell. And the idea is that the genius is in the room, that people are called together to share what God has given them, the keys for building his kingdom in whatever sphere they find themselves in. So I went along to GLX, and part of the program, Joy said, everyone just take a few minutes out, find someone in the room to connect with them. So my eyes, it was in the live link, and my eyes fell across the room on Beth Hutton, who some of you may know. And I knew who she, who she was. I'd never spoken to her before. But God said to me, you need to go share the idea with Beth. So I, I went over to Beth and said, I need to talk to you. I've got this idea, and um, God's told me to talk to you. So we exchanged contact numbers, and we met up a little while later. And so I shared this idea in Costa Coffee with Beth Hutton. And her response was, well, my best friend from primary school, her older sister is the head of the crisis team, so I'll connect you. So praise the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Don't you just love it when a plan comes together, and you can see that God is drawing things together? So... Beth connected me with Hayley Slater, who was at that time the head of the crisis team. And I went up to PHC and had a chat with Hayley and said, what do you think about church-led crisis cafes in Lincoln? And she said, great idea. Yeah, that's really good. Go for it. So I walked away thinking, well, I knew it was a good idea. She agrees it's a good idea. What on earth do I do about this idea? I don't know what to do now. 
And around that time, um, I'd been hearing about the Greater Lincoln Active Faith Network, which had been formed. Um, put your hand up if you're familiar with Active Faith Network. Well, they do quite a few of you. But to fill you in, if you're not familiar. So a few years ago, an audit was done in Lincoln by Cinnamon Network to see how much voluntary work was being done by the churches of Lincoln. And the results were massive. Millions of pounds worth of voluntary hours were being put in to meeting the needs of the people of Lincoln by churches in different community projects run by churches. And that was, that was great. And the head of Lincoln Council, um, Rick Metcalf, he said, we know you're great, we know you're doing great things, but you're all doing it in your own little corners of Lincoln. You're not working together, and there's no one place that we can come to to communicate with you if we want to partner with you, because you're not working together successfully. So off the back of that, the Greater Lincoln Active Faith Network was formed to create that networking of churches to get people working together, and also so there'll be a central place where other agencies could communicate with the churches. And Sean Wade, who we've heard speak here, she is the coordinator of that project. And her life's been, been really involved with that from the start. So around this time, Active Faith Network was launching subgroups, so six different groups to address different needs in Lincoln. So youth and children, homelessness, inclusion, food poverty, finance and employment, and health and well-being. So six different subgroups, each to address a different need. And people called from all the churches in Lincoln to join these groups to address these needs. So I went along to the health and well-being group and shared this idea there uh, about the crisis cafes. And it turned out that God had been having the same conversations with different people in that group already. People saying, oh, God's been talking to me about a cafe too. And Sean shared that in about 2007, she had had this picture from God of churches with lights burning at night time across Lincoln throughout the night. And she didn't really know what that picture meant at the time. But this started to make sense that God was calling us to something here. So last summer, a tragedy hit our family. A cousin of my husband's, who was only in her 20s, took her own life. And that was a very sad time for us all. But it reminded me how important it was to actually press on with this crisis cafe idea and make that a reality. And the day before Emily's funeral, I got a call from Sean, and she said, I know you're going through a really hard time, but I really need to talk to you quite urgently. Can you come to my office? So off I went to find out what it was all about. And Sean told me she had been approached by a commissioner from the NHS who had said, if we give the churches the money, will the churches make it a reality to bring the crisis cafes to fruition? Which was obviously from God. This provision was from God. So Sean said yes straight away. She knew it was from God. Then we had to press into this. So she asked me if I would be interested in pioneering the project. And I knew that God had called me to that. So I said I would be interested. So sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. So I did have a bit of a, a wobble in confidence. And, um, and I was sending this through an email saying, I'm sure there's people way better qualified to do this than me. So um, no hard feelings. Go find them. I don't mind. And Sean just totally ignored those emails. But at one event, God spoke to me really clearly on the first night. He said to me, you might be small, but I am big. You might be unqualified, but I have qualified you to do this job. And so I knew that I had to step out in faith and go for it. So come December, I went for an interview with the Active Faith Network and the NHS. 
And also Acts Trust. So Acts Trust, which is a charity that was founded by Alive, they had said they would step in to line manage the coordinator of the project and to receive the funding. So there we were. I had this interview and I got the job. So 3rd of January, I started work for Acts Trust um, to pioneer this role to start crisis cafes across Lincoln in churches. And my very first day of work was the 3rd of January. And I had to go for a meeting with some people from the NHS. And the lady that was running that meeting was Hayley Slater, who's that lady that Beth had connected me with a few years ago. So it had come full circle. And it was just great to go up to her and say, I don't know if you remember me, but we had this chat a few years ago about church-led crisis cafes. And she totally remembered it. And so that was a great moment. So sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. So the model is that we are creating places of peace for people who are experiencing a crisis in their mental health. We have asked churches to host a different night of the week, so each church to adopt a night of the week so that we can provide this provision that every single night of the year there will be a church with a light on, with people that are trained up in mental health first aid, suicide awareness and various other things to receive those people, to welcome them into a non-judgmental environment to listen to them and support them in this dark time. And God has really been at work behind the scenes. So I work, I'm still working for Life Hiking, but I'm also doing this other role. So I have 15 hours a week, which isn't a lot to try and pioneer a new, a new project. But God has shown me how he is in control of this and how he is actually drawing things together. It's been such a great faith adventure for me to see this happen. So for example, um, one day I was sat in the office thinking, I need to get the ambulance service on board, How, who do I communicate with? I don't know who to get in touch with. What should I do? And I remembered this lady I knew from the school gates who trained to be a paramedic, and I thought, oh, if only I was still in touch with her, I could have a chat with her. Then I popped into Aldi to buy some sausages on my way home from work, and there she is, stood right in front of me <laughs> in the fruit and veg aisle. And she, I told her all about the project. She thought it was brilliant, gave me the numbers that I needed to connect with the ambulance service. And then also, we, and so we've got this model that all volunteers will be cared for um, by monthly supervision with a trained psychologist to help people process everything they're experiencing, um, to, to help encourage all the volunteers to stay well. And I was thinking, how am I going to find a psychologist who will give up their time once a month to come and do this? And I, I was airing these thoughts to Amy, the food bank coordinator who sits next to me in the office. And she says... Well, my husband's a psychologist, and he's always saying he'd love to support Axe Trust, so I'll have a word with him. And sure enough, Robin really is very enthusiastic about getting involved. So that's another way that God's been drawing things together. And then just this week, I was scratching my head thinking, 111, need to get in touch with 111. Who's the head of 111? What do I do to get in touch with them so that they can refer people into these cafes? And so I said, God, please make the way clear. Only have 15 hours a week, so make it easy for me. And later that day, my good friend Carrie Robinson drops me a text, not knowing I'd said that prayer that morning, saying, I've been thinking, you need to get in with 111. And my sister-in-law works for 111 as a nurse, so how about I connect you and she can help you out with that? So, so I had a great chat with her this week um, with Ash's sister, Hayley, and she's been really helpful in getting 111 in as referrers as well. So sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. He's really pulling things together in this project. And we now have seven churches, we're in conversation with seven churches who are all really keen to get on board, which is great because if we'd got more churches, then we would have to puzzle out 
who's right for this role, but God has just aligned this, that there are just the right number of churches who are all really strong and really passionate about this, who want to get involved. I've also had words uh, from people. So B in our office, she had this word from God that in Lincolnshire Police, there was going to be whispers going around the police station saying, what is this all about? And I've, I've been having meetings with people who are chief inspectors in the police force for the strategic lead for mental health for Lincolnshire. And they're really, they're really keen about this. I was thinking, what are they going to think? This is Christians. I'm not sure. Not sure how this is going to go down. But actually, they're really enthusiastic. And they think it's all absolutely fantastic. Um, at the moment, the police, if they come across somebody out on the beat who is having an episode or is in crisis... They're having to take them up to A&E, and then they might be sat with them for hours. They're not allowed to leave them until they've been seen. But now they're saying they're going to bring them to the cafes, and the police are going to sit in the cafe as well and have a cup of tea, because they want to show that they care too. So this is now the police force coming into the churches, and it's an opportunity for Christians to show God's love to all these different people. So... A few weeks ago, the Link and I ran an article on all this. And I was a little bit nervous, because I know that there's always backlash, isn't there? When there's an article in the Link and I, there's always people saying things. So I decided I wasn't going to read any of the comments on there, and I still haven't. So don't tell me if you've read them. But, <laughs> but as a result of that, I had over 50 emails from people who want to volunteer in this project. And that's 50 people who know that this is a church-led project, that the NHS have approached the churches and are working in partnership with churches. It's such a testimony to God's glory and goodness. And I really believe that this is going to build God's kingdom as we show God's love to all these volunteers and to all the services that are referring in, as well as to the people that actually come into the cafes. It is such an opportunity to show God's love. So earlier this week, I was reading Ephesians. And Ephesians 5 verse 10 says, Find out what pleases the Lord. And I think God has really shown me some things that please him through this whole story. And one thing is unity. So a few weeks ago, representatives from NHS England who have funded this project, they came down to Lincoln to see a presentation about how the money that they have funded is being used. And this man from NHS England said, this is not being done anywhere else in the country. Nowhere else is the NHS funding churches. In other cities... Charities have been approached, such as Mind and other charities, to run these kind of projects. This is the only place where the church has been utilised to pool its resources, work together and meet needs. And so this man from NHS England said he will be travelling around the country now telling people about this place, Lincoln, where things are being done a little bit differently. And also, Joy told me, Joy Blundell, that she had been on some training elsewhere in England. And I think that was led by Cinnamon Network. And people had come from all over England for that training. And the trainer started talking about this place, Lincoln, where the churches were working so well together that the NHS had funded crisis cafes. So it's really putting Lincoln on the map. And I believe that is because of the churches working so well together in unity. So we're familiar with the verse from Psalm 133, that unity commands a blessing. But God continually reveals to me from John 17 how he... As when Jesus prayed for believers that would believe in the future as a result of the disciples spreading the word. So really, he's praying for us there. And he said, may they be one as we are one, so the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them. And that is a revelation. That's come straight from Jesus. That when we are one, 
as Jesus and God are one, that the world will know that God sent Jesus and that he loves them. So it has an impact on the world when we work together in unity. And Alive is passionate about unity and has worked hard. There's people that have worked really hard behind the scenes. It, unity doesn't always come easily, especially when people have you know, slightly different beliefs. But coming together to believe as one, knowing that we all believe in Jesus, it has such power. And it has been demonstrated through this project that it has an impact on the world. And the fact that the NHS have approached the church, it has so much power. And it's such a demonstration of the unity of God's people. And also prayer. Now, I'm not standing up here claiming that I'm a really great prayer because my mind wanders as much as the next person's and I'm not a disciplined person. But I know that when God called me to prayer, that things shifted in the heavens. I know that when I, when I took time out to spend extra time praying, things started to move. And so God has called us to prayer. And that's not just prayer of us bringing our petitions to God, but also prayer is also about pausing to listen to God's voice. And I recently met up with some people from St. Swithin's who have expressed an interest in this project. And they told me that months ago, before they knew anything about any of this, one of their staff team got a picture from God of their new building, the Salt House, being used as a place for people in crisis at night time. So when we pause to listen to God's voice, as well as to bring our petitions to him. He speaks to us, and he draws us into his plans and to his agenda for our locality. So going back to Roger's phrase, often our miseries become our ministry. Uh, when I, that article went out in the Lincolnite, so many people that responded were saying, we have experienced mental health problems, and now we want to give back. I've had church leaders get in touch with me who have said that they have been in the depths of depression, they've been through nervous breakdowns, and the only way they can make sense of it is to believe that God wants to use that for good now, and they want their churches to get involved in this project. A few years ago, I wrote an article for Mind and Soul, which is a Christian organization, about my own experiences. And when I shared it with Joe, Joe shared the verse from Genesis 50:20: You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And I do believe that whatever you have been through, God can use that to help others and to build his kingdom. He can use it for his glory. We are weak, but he is strong, and his power is made perfect in our weakness. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Okay, let's pray together. Father God, we praise you for what you're doing in our location, and we thank you for including us in your adventure, Lord, for putting Lincoln on the map, and help us, Lord, to take time out to pray, to hear your voice, Lord, in whatever you might be calling us to do, and whatever you are leading us into, may we always take that time out to prioritize listening to your voice. May we hear from you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Father, for you have done glorious things and you're continuing to do them. And we lift your name up high, Father God, and recognize that you are at work and that you're in full control of this world. We pray, Lord, that you'll be increasingly glorified. And we thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. Amen.